Thank you, Brett. Good morning. It's good to be gathered together this morning. Please open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We're continuing in our series on the Spirit, and we've been looking at the person, presence, and power of the Spirit. A person's presence really matters. Whether you're in trouble, could use some encouragement, or simply need a friend to talk with, there is nothing better than having someone right there with you. And maybe you've experienced that while waiting in the, at the hospital in the waiting room, and you don't know what's going to happen next, but a friend walks in and you just feel relieved. They're there. They don't have to say anything, just sit by you and be with you. Their presence, it changes everything. It brings a life and a strength that you otherwise would not have experienced had they not been there. Well, today we're looking at the, the presence of the Spirit. We recognize that the Spirit brings that life and strength I just described, but, but in an even more powerful way. The Spirit enables followers of Jesus to live in a way that reflects the very character of Jesus. But what does that look like in the grind of everyday life? And that's what we want to explore today. Before we do, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for drawing us in and, and bringing us together. What a privilege it is to be gathered again. We need this. This is for our good. And now as we explore your word together this morning, God, my prayer is that, Lord, we would receive it for what it is, your word, and that we would run with it that we would be doers of your word, not only hearers, and that you would help us to engage it, that we would receive it in love. Lord, you are loving us. You're guiding us. You're, you're addressing areas of our life. You're putting your fingers on areas. You are at work. We pray that by your spirit, you would continue to mold us and to shape us into a people that reflect you to a watching world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so a little review. Last Sunday, if you remember, we learned the Spirit is not an impersonal force or power. The Spirit is not something for us to control. The Spirit is not to be manipulated on the level of an it or a thing. Not at all. In fact, the Spirit is God's personal presence with us and for us. And if you remember, we followed the thread of the Spirit uh, from Genesis to Jesus and then from Jesus uh, to his followers. And we discovered that the Spirit has been at work since creation, bringing order out of chaos and light out of darkness. And he continues that work through the proclamation of the good news of Jesus. It's beautiful. It's awesome. God is at work by his Spirit. When you become a follower of Jesus, the Spirit dwells with you and is in you. What does the Spirit's presence bring about? What does the Spirit's presence produce in the life of a follower of Jesus? Well, that's what we're going to learn here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. In this text, we find a succinct description of just that, what the Spirit produces in the life of a follower of Jesus. So let's check it out together. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, 
And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. There are two things I pray we see in this text here this morning. One, a lifestyle choice that we need to make. Two, a harvest we could never produce on our own. Number one, a lifestyle choice that we need to make. We all have a lifestyle. We all have a particular way that we go about making decisions in everyday life. Each one of us in this room, every one of us is deeply motivated by something. There is a driving force. There is a power, we could say, that governs us. And it comes out in the decisions that we make every day. The Galatians, the church of Galatia, to whom Paul's writing, they were making theological and personal decisions that actually moved them away from the basic truths of the gospel about Jesus the good news about Jesus. They they were actually beginning to embrace requirements of the Mosaic law, and in particular, circumcision. They were believing or attempted to believe that that was a sign or a badge that they belonged to the community of God's people. And Paul is writing to the Galatians, and he's saying, no way, the only badge that you need is faith in Jesus. And when you require something else, you are, among other things, downgrading the work of Jesus. In addition, there was some serious division within the church of Galatia. Arguments. Paul writes, just before this text that we read, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed. All right, in light of all that, What does he write? How does he encourage this church who is struggling theologically, struggling personally, struggling relationally? What does he write? He reminds them of their responsibility to walk by the Spirit. Verse 16 of chapter 5, but I say walk by the Spirit. The verb to walk, commonly used to refer to a whole way of life. A whole way of life is the Spirit, your deepest motivation? Is God's presence directing you? Are you daily falling under his influence and sway? There's a responsibility that you and I have to make. A lifestyle choice. If we discovered that we had high blood pressure, if we discovered there was another physical ailment, something going wrong, We would make a lifestyle choice to adjust how we were living. Habits that we would change. I've been saying for years, I need a good exercise routine. I know it doesn't show, but I need a good exercise routine. 
And unless I actually commit time and intentionally change my lifestyle, my day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month lifestyle, nothing will change. I can talk about it all, all day. A choice has to be made. Paul is calling the Galatians back to a lifestyle that reflects that they belong to God, that they have the Spirit of God. He's calling them back to a particular way of life. And this isn't the first time he's exhorted a church this way. We can read in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, verse 1, he writes to the Thessalonians this way, We ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. He's saying, keep it up. Keep going. Confront the complacency and the indifference and the passivity that's warring against you. Keep going. We've taught you how you should please the Lord and honor him with your life and how to walk in a way that pleases the Lord. You're doing it, but do it more and more. That's his exhortation to the Thessalonians. It's similar to what he's saying to the Galatians. He's bringing them back to their call to walk out a particular lifestyle. Now, when your life is increasingly dependent on the Spirit of God, Paul says you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh when you are increasingly dependent on the Spirit. But what does he mean by flesh? Paul isn't talking about the physical body as if all things physical are, are bad. That's not the problem. Some of your translations might say sinful nature. That's a good translation. He's talking about the old way of life. How we lived before we came under the loving rule of Jesus, our King. He's talking about a life marked by compromise, rebellion, and sin. A life vandalized. A life stained and corrupted by sin. So he says, I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And it sounds a bit overly simplistic. I know that it isn't overly simplistic. Do this and you're good. Let's go home. And Paul knew it too. Look at verse 17. For the desires, the passions, the lusts of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Why is it so difficult to walk by the Spirit? Why? Because it's a battle. Because we're in a war. The struggle is real, (laughs) y'all. I know you feel it. I feel it every day. The desire, what the heart, what the seat of our affections is set on, what we long for. You know, it can seem like the flesh has way more power than it actually should in our lives. Does it feel that way to you? Or is it just me? (laughs) Every disciple faces this battle where we feel like the flesh is winning. We feel like we're giving in to the passions of the flesh. When he says walk by the Spirit, I believe this is an invitation into a lifestyle, a lifestyle of resistance and a lifestyle of dependence, a lifestyle of fighting and a lifestyle of delighting. What do I mean? 
A lifestyle of saying no to ungodliness and worldly passions and yes to an upright and self-controlled life in Christ Jesus. Resistance. Dependence. A life of dependence, increased dependence, a recognition of God, the Spirit's presence in our life, that he's changed our lives forever, that the faith we have to believe in Jesus as Savior and King is a gift from him, that we've been born of the Spirit, that it's his work in us, and that he who began a good work will complete it. And so he's at work, and it's a lifestyle of resistance and dependence, which looks like worship and delight, which looks like following, intentionally living our lives, increasingly dependent, prayerful. And when that's happening, Paul says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If I'm set out to honor my wife and to please her, if I'm set out to delight in Valerie, my eyes, if I'm, I'm not going to delight in women I should not delight in, in my heart or with my eyes or with my mind, not when I'm focused on my wife. I've been given the green light. I've been given the go to delight fully in my wife, and I do, and I will. And you can't, and you shouldn't, <laughs> but I can. And if, if I don't, that's where things start going bad for me. And in the same way as we delight in the Lord, as we honor him, as we worship him, as we, we give our all to him, as we bow our lives to him, not just one time or not just one day of the week, but a lifestyle choice of resistance and dependence, then there's this, there's this beautiful thing that happens. We're walking by the Spirit, is the way Paul describes it. It's awesome. He goes on to say in verse 18, if you are led or being led, in other words, if you're driven or carried or brought forth by the Spirit, he says you're not under the law. This is not a one-and-done activity. This is an ongoing activity that we're called to. It's a lifestyle choice. And by the way, church, you can resist this lifestyle choice. You do not have to live this way. It's a decision that you need to make, that I need to make. You can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You can live callous to his desires and plans for your life. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. Do you remember what we talked about last Sunday out of Ephesians chapter 5? Paul describes um, living under the influence of the Spirit this way. In Ephesians 5 verse 18, he says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that leads to all kinds of things, debauchery, all kinds of sexual sin. But be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk on alcohol, but be filled with the Spirit. When you drink too much, you fall under its influence. It affects your behavior and your attitude, your speech and your actions. When we fall under the influence of the Spirit of God, the same way, it affects our behavior and our attitude. We find a, a new strength and an empowerment to walk out the faith we're called to. But we're to do this repeatedly, not just a one and done. It's a lifestyle choice. We're spirit people. We're in a, a covenant a new covenant. Christ has ascended into heaven and has given us the comforter, the helper who's with us and in us, who empowers us for life, for living. I don't want you to be unaware. You are not alone. 
You're not sitting in the waiting room in the hospital alone. He's with you. He's present. And he's able. And we're to walk in a lifestyle that reflects that. Verses 19 through 21 of, of, of Galatians 5, we get this list of the works of the flesh. And they're, they're evident. We know what they are. It's a long list. And some believe that he's actually categorized them in three groups. Broken sexuality, broken allegiance, broken relationships. Broken sexuality, you've got sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. And later he mentions orgies. Broken allegiance, we're talking idolatry and sorcery. This is about control. This is about a broken loyalty and submission and worship. And then broken relationships, he mentions uh, enmity, strife, jealousy, and this long list that accompanies that. Well, if we honed in on one of these topics, let's look at broken sexuality for a moment. If we examined our attitude and decisions about sex, we would find out how influenced we are by the Spirit. Sex, it's a God in our culture, a lowercase g, God. People are bowing their lives to it. They're hoping to find fulfillment and satisfaction in it. Some might say, man, I give my life to Jesus, but but not that area. You stay away from that area. Look with me in Thessalonians. Thessalonians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 1. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk or live, this is how and what you should be occupied with, and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles or those who do not know God, that, it, that no one transgress or wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards, uh, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. If you disregard this, you're not disregarding Darren, you're disregarding God who gives you his Holy Spirit. God has called us to be a set-apart people, a holy and distinct people. If we are not the set-apart people of God, we will have nothing to say to the world around us. What makes us any different? But we have so much to say, so much to proclaim. So much to point others to. This isn't just my opinion. And so when I sit down with couples who want me to do their premarital or who uh, want me to marry them, one of the first things I'm asking is about sexual purity. And one of the first passages I'll turn to is just, I'll I'll give this to them and say, will you read this out loud to me, please? Because this isn't about me giving you a list of things you shouldn't do with each other. This is about you honoring God. We learn a lot when we look at our views and attitude towards sex. Are we falling under the influence of God the Holy Spirit? 
Now, maybe you wrestle with this and you wrestle with any idea of restrictions or this sounds archaic maybe to you or old-fashioned. Maybe it feels outdated or maybe it even feels like an invasion of your personal freedom and rights. Well, I have some news for you. Jesus has invaded. (laughs) He has invaded. And he is king. But here's the question. Will we believe that the boundaries that he has set for us are for our good? Or will we push back and, and resist as if he doesn't love us or know what's best for us? In every area, not just sexuality. In fact, Paul focused more on this third category of broken relationships because this is where the Galatians struggled. And it wasn't only the Galatians. It was the Ephesians. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 4. He's exhorting the church in Ephesus in a similar fashion. And look what he says in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 29. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. So, church, we can grieve the Spirit of God. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Just as God in Christ forgave you, you extend forgiveness towards others. It's a new life by the Spirit. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. It's improper. It's not proper among the saints. They go hand in hand. Broken sexuality, broken allegiance, broken relationships. And as if he's saying, Paul is writing to the Galatians, stop, stop acting the way you did before Jesus came into your life. Don't go back to that. There's nothing there for you. This isn't you anymore. You've been made new in Christ Jesus. Now live as if that's true, because it is true. Live in the good of it. Live in the power of it. You can't think or go about your life thinking, "Ah, I believe in Jesus so I can live however I want. I got my ticket to heaven. That's not how we're called to live. That's a distortion. It's much like the false freedom that the Galatians boasted in. It's an excuse to indulge in the flesh. And there's warning here in Galatians 5. This long list of the works of the flesh, there's warning here. Those who live under the influence of these things, who go on in their life living under the power and the sway of these things instead of the Spirit, those who make this a pattern of life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so there's warning. But there's grace too. There's grace there. So first we see a lifestyle choice that we need to make. Church, we are given a lifestyle choice. It's put in front of us again in Galatians chapter 5 to walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Second, we see a harvest that we could never produce on our own. And we we see this in verses 22 and on. Look with me again. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if you've grown up in church, you know this list. You've 
colored coloring pages with fruit on it, uh, with labeled all these things. You know this list, but maybe you've heard a song about it. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's love. It begins with love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He uses the metaphor of fruit. It's a helpful metaphor. It's, it's one we can remember and understand. This is the fruit of God the Spirit's presence in our lives. This is what the Spirit produces in followers of Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Now, uh, this past September, just a couple months ago, Valerie, Silas, and I went up and visited my grandmother in Maine, and uh, she's 98 years old, doing great, living on her own, um, strong woman. But we, we took a day and went and, and, and went picked some apples, went to an apple orchard. And I will never forget just how many apples were on these trees, it was too many. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, are you kidding? How many app, how, how do all those apples, and, and there were tons of apples on the ground still, and so we're just picking wherever, wherever you reach, just close your eyes, you're pulling apples off the tree. I just couldn't believe it. The owners of this apple orchard can't sit back and say, look what I did. Like a gardener, we, we are called to work hard to cultivate the ground, but we could never stand back and say, look what I did. Look at what I grew. No, listen, it is the fruit of the Spirit. The harvest belongs to the Spirit. And we can underestimate, I, I believe we can underestimate uh, the impact and significance of the fruit that the Spirit produces. It's powerful. Paul begins with love. Why does he begin with love? There were some real issues in Galatia, look with me in chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Now, if you've been in church for any length of time, uh, you've been around this, this biting and devouring and individuals getting angry at each other. And why? Why does that happen? It happens for a lot of reasons. But number one, we can't forget that we are a family. You ever fight with your family members? <laughs> Should we expect to be on mission together and there never be an issue? There never be a misunderstanding? Should we expect that? No. But we should definitely run this race together, walking in love walking in reconciliation, walking in expressed forgiveness, walking in repentance one to another, and that strengthens us. Strengthens us. But Paul was calling them to that, to walk in love. This is what his presence, the Spirit's presence, produces in the life of a follower. This fruit is what is produced. Notice the fruit of the Spirit. Actually, these attitudes and actions serve others and build relationships up. You notice that? It's for the grind of life, local church. The fruit that's presented, the fruit that is produced, it's for the details of personal relationships. Parents with teenagers, difficult coworkers, 
family members, local church relationships. You know, if we were honest, we, we could think of relationships right now that we have that feel so very difficult. And we think, wow, there are moments where it feels impossible to love this individual. It feels so hard. Because it is. There's a wrestling match going on. Jesus then, you know, he calls us to love our enemy. We're having a hard time loving our family. How are we going to love our enemy, those who are opposed and against us, and walk that way? By the Spirit of God. That's how. And so this list is like a mirror, reflects back to us the character of Jesus. And we might read it and get discouraged. I did this week. (laughs) I was discouraged. I I was struggling this week. True story. I'm not lying. (laughs) Struggling in relationships, and, and, and I'm wondering, God, how could I have responded that way yet again? Are you working in me? Are you working the fruit of your presence in my life? Here I am studying it and prepping a sermon on it, and I'm wrestling to actually show it in my life. Why am I struggling here again, Lord? This is what I'm wondering. I know you're strong enough. What's going on? You know what's going on? You got some insight. I'm a very complicated individual. There's a lot of fight in me. The Spirit has been addressing my ways of thinking, my ways of dealing with others, the issues within my own heart. He has been at work, and sometimes it's very difficult for me to see. Sometimes it's really clear, many times it's not. And here's why. Remember the apple orchard? Those apples didn't just pop on the tree. It was gradual. They grew. Now, we like to watch National Geographic, and, or I like to at home. My kids roll their eyes. Uh, but when you watch those um, documentaries and you see things grow really fast, the time lapse, it's really cool. The flowers coming up and out and everything growing. That's not how real life works. Fruit is gradual. It's gradual. But it grows, and it's there. And like natural fruit in the world, so too the fruit of the Spirit, it's, it's being produced in our lives, but it's gradual. We need to be patient. God is at work. He has begun a good work. It's really hard to see sometimes. And this speaks to the importance of community, where others can help me see what I'm not seeing in my life, the good, the growth. And it's like this with my children. They are growing like crazy. But they don't believe me when I say, you're getting so tall. No, I'm not. No, no. I mean, sometimes they do. Uh, But we have this piece of wood in the garage that we've brought from the houses we've lived in. And it's all marked up with uh, pen marks and dates of how tall they were throughout their life. And so we can bring them to that piece of wood and have them stand up against it and say, okay, this is how much you grew this year. You are growing. It doesn't lie. That piece of wood does not lie. And in the same way, when we struggle, like I just described, where do we go? Well, this is where Paul goes next, to a different piece of wood, to the cross. Verse 24, look what he says. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so any change, any change in us, whether it's attitude or behavior, has got to be tied directly and is tied directly to the death of Jesus. 
So do you belong to Jesus? Are you his? Have you put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus on your behalf? His perfect life lived for you? His substitutionary death on the cross for your sins? Have you done that? He's reminding the Galatians. He's reminding the Galatians, and now he's reminding us where the victory was won in the first place over sin and death, even over our sinful desires and passions. We're so united. He's saying we're so united with Christ that his death was ours. His life is ours. There's another way of saying it in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Look what he says. I have been crucified with Christ. Really? Paul, were you, were you up on that cross with him? Listen, that, on that day, Paul wasn't hanging on the cross with him. But he's so united with Christ by faith. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. I've, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so the lifestyle that we're called to live is one by faith, of resting, of trusting in the finished work of Jesus. And you might say, man, I don't remember when I crucified the the passions of my flesh. When did I do that? When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you died not physically. Not, you're, you got breath, right? You're okay? You're here. Paul describes it this way in Corinthians chapter uh, 5, 2 Corinthians 5. You, you, you've been made new. New creations in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. You're not a slave anymore. You're a son, a daughter. And that's where he goes next. Look with me in Galatians chapter 4. This is another way to say it. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, an intimate term, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Why? Why does he go here? Transformation. This transformation that's happened by the Spirit through faith in Jesus, uh, this salvation experience, this adoption, it leads, and from that grows sanctification. This walking out our faith. This is what defines me now, my faith in Jesus, being made new. This is what gives me strength, my passions, who I was has has been crucified. Now I'm made new in Christ. And so I'm always anchoring my, my movement, my forward movement by the Spirit is anchored in the reality of what has been accomplished by faith in Jesus. This transformation that has happened, I'm made new. And so I can walk by the Spirit now because of what's happened in Christ Jesus. If these qualities, these characteristics, the fruit is not glaringly obvious in your life, what should you do? Where should you go? Back to the cross. Peter writes, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind and he's forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. The antidote, the remedy to this blindness, to this walking according to the flesh, is to remember that you've been cleansed of your former sins. 
and let that cause just this beautiful avalanche of celebration and joy and victory and celebration. Verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. It means to line up behind your leader. Does your life line up behind the Spirit? Maybe you're out of step. Maybe you find yourself under the influence of your former way of life. You're concerned. What steps can you take today to change that? The Spirit of God is present and powerful. He is more than able to produce in you what you cannot produce in yourself. And so, like Paul said to the Galatians uh, thousands of years ago, I say to you, local church St. Pete, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk in this new lifestyle choice that's been made available for you to walk in by the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus. A lifestyle of resistance and a lifestyle of dependence. A lifestyle of worship. The presence of God the Spirit is here today. I want to take a few seconds and I I want us to prayerfully reflect and, and, and if you are in a place where you have been falling under the influence of your former way of life, there is freedom for you today. I've been praying for you all week, believing God to meet you in this place, to give you a renewed vision for what it means to walk by the Spirit. Maybe you're here and you're a new Christian. You never even knew what it meant to walk by the Spirit. And you're still wrestling and thinking through this, and it's maybe starting to connect, but spend some time here in the next few seconds. Express, first of all, your acknowledgement of God, the Spirit's presence and power to work in you. And express your desire to live that kind of lifestyle of resistance and dependence. Let's take a few seconds now together as a church. The presence of the Spirit brings life and strength, enabling followers of Jesus to live lives that reflect the character of Jesus. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is, a reflection of the character of Jesus. And God is producing that in us. He is. He is at work. And it's for your good It's for his glory. And it's so that others might see the reality of who he is in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the work you've begun in the hearts of those who follow you, who follow your son. Father, would you give us faith for this lifestyle you've called us to live, a lifestyle of walking by the Spirit. Would you help us to be a people who are increasingly mindful of the call to resist the works of the flesh, to stand 
and the strength you supply and to be dependent on you every day, to be a people who worship you, a people who recognize we're a spirit people empowered by the spirit of the living God and help us, Lord, never to doubt or question, uh, Lord, uh, your ability to work in us what we cannot work in ourselves. You've begun a good work. You will carry it on to completion. Give us faith and joy in that, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.